So many of us uh, recognize the fact that we have certain desires in life that are stronger than others. And I want to use that as a working definition for hunger, things that we hunger for in life. We have certain uh, strong desires, certain hungers that are emotional needs, uh, spiritual needs. Um, there, there are certain hungers. Now, I was thinking about this earlier uh, in the week that you don't have to teach a baby to be hungry. You know, I, hey, that sounded like a, a mom that has missed a lot of sleep in their life. Uh, I, talked to, uh, I talked to Jessica, um, one of our worship leaders over there. Why don't you stand up, Jessica? Wave. She said, did such a great job. She said, uh, Pastor Frank, I need you to pray for me because Judah, they're two-year-old. Is he two? two? Uh, evidently, he woke up at three and didn't want to go back to bed till six. And so she's like doing the whole lullaby thing in the middle of the night. And it's just so interesting because babies, you don't have to teach them to be hungry. Uh, you don't have to teach each other to be hungry. Nobody ever says, man, I forgot to be hungry today. It's, it's embedded in you to be hungry. And it's interesting because when the Lord introduces himself, he introduces himself to us in a way that also introduces a new kind of hunger. It's a new kind. It's, it's not something that we're born with necessarily. We're born hungry for food But when we meet the Lord for the first time and we experience his compassion, when I say experience it, it's just a revelation to you where you realize it. All of a sudden, there's a new hunger that comes up within you. And and the Bible talks about it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. He says this, many of you hunger and thirst for righteousness. In other words, he was looking at this huge crowd and um, these thousands of people were listening to him and and he looks out there and he had this ability that when he looked at people, he could look into their eyes and he could see what they were thinking. And he was looking into the eyes of so many people and and he, he said, some of you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness and, and righteousness is defined by to be in right standing. You, you want to be you want to be in right standing with me. I can tell by looking in your eyes, you want to be at right standing with me. And uh, it's so interesting that he would say that. And he, and he called it hunger to say that there's something deep down inside you that you want to be close to me. And uh, it's interesting because uh, when the Lord introduces himself to us, it's usually through a set of circumstances a lot of times. I'll give you an example. Um, I had somebody in my family, um, uh, it's actually my aunt, uh, she texted me earlier this week and she was really upset because uh, she went through a divorce and, and through the divorce, um, she, the, the way the divorce happened, the settlement happened, she ended up getting the house and the house was paid off. And um, she ended up selling the house and she used the money to pay off a lot of debt and she ended up spending a lot of the money. So she texted me yesterday or the day before, and she was just really down on herself. She regretted selling the house. And um, I told her, um, I said, Aunt Dee, uh, what, what you don't remember, because you sold the house 10 years ago, what you don't remember 
is that you are raising two kids, two teenagers by yourself. What you don't remember is that you didn't have a job at that time. What you don't remember is because of the divorce, you had so much debt on your shoulders. Don't beat yourself up with selective memory. You were doing everything that you knew how to do and you were making the best decision that you knew to make at that season of your life. And it's so important for so many of us to hear that because sometimes we live with regrets and we look back and we go, I wish I didn't say that or I wish I didn't do that. Well, it's not that you planned to make a decision. Nobody sits around and go, what's the dumbest thing I can do today? I want to do something really stupid today. What can it be? Nobody plans that. Everybody, and it's important for us to hear this, we made and you made, my aunt made, the best decision that she knew to make at the time with the amount of knowledge, the amount of experience that she had to work with at that season of her life. She text messaged back, thank you. And we traded some more messages. But you know when the Lord looks at you, it is with even more compassion that I had for my aunt. It is way more. The Bible says in, in Psalms chapter 103 verse 13 that he knows that we are from dust and he has compassion for us. So he literally looks at you and he looks at I, myself, and he says, I see the stress that you're under. I see the worry and the concern that you're under. I see the regrets that you have and the regrets that you're having to live with. I see the worries, I see the stress, I see the sleepless nights. Sleepless nights are frustrating, aren't they? Because you look at the clock and it says 11.15, and then you look back at the clock and it says like 2.15, and then you're like, surely I slept. <laughs> I think I slept. I'm not sure if I slept or not. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Sleepless nights are miserable, but it usually happens whenever we're stressed out. We serve a compassionate God that says, I see when you can't sleep. And I see when you put a smile on to cover up what's happening inside. Because we don't walk around going, man, I am financially stressed. You know, like when people get in the elevator and they go, hey, how are you? Nobody says, to be honest with you. <laughs> Nobody says that. We live our life doing the very best we can. But the Lord looks at us and he says, I see you doing the best you can. I know your dust and I have compassion for you. And I love you and I care for you. And, and do not beat yourself up because I'm not beating you up. I deeply love you and I want to be involved in your life. And, and, and some of us may say, but God, our lives are so dirty. And he would say back, yeah, but I made you from dirt so that that's okay. I, I know. I know what kind of capacity you have. The Bible says that he knows your frame. He knows what your capacity is. And when we go through some seasons where we're over capacity, I don't know how to say that. How, am I, how do I say that? You're at capacity. How about that? I was about to say you're capacitated. 
<laughs> you're at capacity. The, the Lord knows that you're at capacity. He knows that and he has compassion for you. And the moment that we realize that God is not this creator being that sits on a throne and watches us, he's actually a father that loves us and cares for us. At that moment, we begin to experience a hunger that we didn't know existed. We begin to hunger for him. We begin to desire him. We begin to say things like this. I want to be closer to you. A lot of times we don't even know what those words are, what they mean. Uh, David had this, the same trouble. The psalmist David in, in Psalms chapter 63 verse 1, it says, You God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I, watch this, I thirst for you. He, he doesn't have the adjectives or he can't string together the nouns and pronouns. and He can't string it together to reflect what he's trying to say. But So he just says, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Watch this, in a dry and parched land where there is no water. He's saying, this whole world, it feels like a dry and parched land. This whole world, I have, I have done, I have skied it, jumped it, experienced it, and I own the t-shirt. And I'm just telling you that I've lived enough life to say, man, this world feels like a, a dry place. It can't give me what I'm looking for. So I'm, I'm looking to you. Some of you may have walked into the sanctuary today for the first time in years because you're just saying, look, I, I'm hoping, God, you can help me because I've tried everything else. My hand is up. Is anyone here that's tried everything else? Like, we're just like, oh, I'm so stupid, but I, I tried it and it didn't work. Watch this. This is what else uh, uh, David said. He goes even further in Psalms 84, verse 10. He goes, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than to live the good life in the home of the wicked. He's saying, oh dear God, I have a hunger that's so thick. I just want to be in your presence. And if I can't be close, if I got to be way outside, just standing by the door, I'll take it. I'd rather have that than live in a mansion in the Beverly Hills. I, I, I would rather do that because I love you so much. And, and Jesus really brings it all to a conclusion in John chapter 6, verse 35. He says, I am the bread of life. David, Frankie, uh, the hunger that you have, the hunger that's hard to describe when you feel hollow or you just feel like, man, I just feel like a hamster in a wheel. I, I just need more, more, more all the time. More money, more house, more this, more that, more this, more that, more this, more that, more. If I just had a little bit more. And, and then finally, God, Jesus says this, I, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And I am what you are looking for. There's a guy named Jacob in the Bible. He had such a hunger. He had a hunger while he was still in his mother's womb. He had a twin with him in babies. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to make the leap that they have this cognitive sense to where they can build sentences and concepts. I, I'm not gonna try to make that leap. But, but Jacob 
had a twin in his mother's womb named Esau. And, and he knew that there was something living and breathing with him that was alive. Like this being right here, whatever this is in his baby's mind, whatever this is, um, I don't know that he thought this is my brother. I don't think he got that far. But I, I do think that he knew that this being right here was different than the liver. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and all of a sudden, this being... His entire life, all nine months of his being, all of a sudden his brother begins to move from him because he was being born and, and his brother Esau was coming out of the womb first. And it's so interesting because the Bible says that Jacob felt his brother moving and he reached and he grabbed his brother's heel. It's almost like even as as an infant, as a, as a baby in the mother's womb, he, he could feel security leave him and he, he just grabbed it because all of us hunger for stability, for security. It's, it's a hunger. And the Lord's saying, you're, you're hungering for something that you are not going to find. It's so interesting because like five years ago, I read this report that people from all over the country were moving to Texas because we were skyrocketing and just crushing it in the economy. And then the barrel of oil goes to the basement and everybody's like, oh shoot, why did I move here? And it's, it's so interesting because Jesus is saying, you can fly all over the world, move everywhere, get in a U-Haul, get in a rider truck, go everywhere you want to go. But I am what you're looking for. It's interesting that Jacob, he, he, he still wasn't satisfied. He was eating a bowl of soup. And in those days, the oldest got the lion's share of the inheritance. In our days, when somebody passes away and they leave an inheritance, they, the, 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 the children or the family members strive to make the division of the property or um, uh, the assets as even as possible. In those days, if you're the firstborn, it's, an unspo it's, it's a spoken and an unspoken that the firstborn gets the lion's share. Well, in, in the heart of Jacob... He thought, maybe if I had the firstborn privileges, maybe that what I'm looking for, I, I, this hunger, this, this, this passion, maybe that's it. And so he made a deal with his brother over a bowl of soup of all things to get the, the birthright. And he got that, and that still didn't satisfy him. The Bible says this, that he was laying in the desert, and all of a sudden an angel of the Lord appeared before him. And it says that he and the, the angel wrestled. And, and while they were wrestling, he says to the angel, I will not let you go until you bless me. Now, I've heard that story my whole life, but I was thinking about it this week. Uh, I've been in, uh, in middle school and high school. I, I got into my share of fist fights. I never won any of them. I'm a terrible fighter. Um, I, I don't like getting hit. Like you hit me, I'm like, okay, I quit. I quit. I quit. I, I quit. <laughs> I don't like I'm not. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, but nevertheless, when, when, when you get into a fist fight, basically it, it usually happens like this. You're talking... The talking isn't going anywhere. And so we're going to make our point another way. Are we, are we with each other? We're talking. Now we're arguing. That didn't work. So here we go. Right? 
So I'm thinking, how in the world does an angel appear before you? How do you get from to how do you get from there to there? And, and what I'm thinking is, is that Jacob sitting in this desert and he's crying because his brother is furious at him. He's chasing him in the story. You ought to read it. It's, it's a phenomenal read. His brother is chasing him to kill him. An angel appears before him. And, and at some point, there had to have been some dialogue before the wrestling match. Before they, I mean, you don't just say, you, that doesn't happen. There's a conversation first. And so he had to have said to the angel, Help me. I need to be blessed. Now keep in mind, Jacob had a couple wives. Jacob had a lot of animals. Jacob had mucho dinero. Yeah, you don't need to translate that. I know me a little bit of Spanish. He had money. What if the angel said to him, Jacob, you are asking for me to bless you. You Look what you have. And, and Jacob could have easily said, this is well within the context, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something different. And if anyone here has ever experienced a hunger for God, I could look back at you and go, hey, but you got a house. Hey, you, you drove here, didn't you? Do you have air conditioning? We'll stop complaining then. You could say, no, 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 no. Clearly this conversation isn't going the way I want it to go. You don't understand. There's a hunger that I have that I can't explain to you. And so they started wrestling. There's a few thoughts that uh, I'd like to, to share with you. Is, number one is that there is an incurable hunger. An incurable hunger, when you have reached a certain point in life and you realize that you need the presence of God more than you are experiencing right now, that is called a hunger and that is an, an incurable hunger that you can try everything and your heart will still be sick. It, it's, it reads like this in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you are trying for certain things. I remember the very first time I got disappointed in what the world had to offer me. I was at Caraba's restaurant waiting tables. And I remember telling another waiter, if I can just make $200 a week, I will be set for life. <laughs> Does anyone remember saying things like that? $200 a week, I will be set for life. I made $200 and then I need $300. And then I made $300, I need $400. And then I got married and there was no hope. <laughs> but I love you. <laughs> and I had three kids and I don't have a chance anymore. I don't have a chance. The reality is, is that the line that we strive for is always just, it's always in front of us. And we can never really get there. If I can just get married, and it's like, oh my goodness. See, the, I've said this before. The only thing worse than being single and wanting to be married is being married and wanting to be single. And so if you search and you're looking for that, just that one moment, that one breakthrough, that one deal, it never comes. And then you realize, shoot, this world is starting to get hollow. And that's when it says your heart will get sick. I was thinking about Whitney Houston, one of the most beautiful voices to ever be heard on this planet. All that she had wasn't enough. 
her heart was sick. Striving, Michael Jackson, um, all that he had, it wasn't enough. His, his heart was sick. He was looking for more. Um, Heath Ledger, after he made Batman, he's like at the top of the game. He was supposed to get an Academy Award that year. His heart was sick. Um, I, I've got a, a list of people. Robin Williams, the top of the list of, of comedians that, that the, the movies wanted. Top of the list, his heart was sick. Chris Farley, top of the list. One of the most on-demand actors, his heart was sick. We're talking about people with millions and millions of dollars, with mansions, with anything at their beck and call, their heart was sick. Let them teach us a lesson that more will never give us what we're looking for. What we really have is exactly what Jesus said. He said, you are hungering and you are thirsting for righteousness. But the good news is, is don't be frustrated because you, will be, you are going to be filled. I am going to make sure that you are filled. Just stay in my presence. Just stay in my presence. Don't roam. Don't get roaming eyes. Don't quit. Just stay in my presence. Just stay in my presence. Everyone say, stay in my presence. The second thing, uh, before I, I, I break on to the next point, let me read this C.S. Lewis quote. It says this, If I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Isn't that cool? Uh, let me share the second point unstoppable power. See, we have an incurable hunger, and then there's an unstoppable power. Point number one is incurable hunger. Point number two is unstoppable power. See, when you and I pray, there is a power that exists that is unstoppable. What we wrestle with is believing that. I want to say, whether you believe it or not, pray anyway. The reason why I say that is because our faith, it kind of goes up and down. There's certain times where your faith is real high, and then there's other times where it seems to be real low. If you only pray when your faith is high, you're not going to pray that often. But if you make up your mind, I'm going to pray whether my faith is high or whether it's low, I'm still going to pray. Do you know what the Bible says about our prayers? It is so amazingly powerful. God loves you so much. Listen to this. These are some phenomenal verses. I'm going to read the exact same verse in four different translations because here's your feeling. Prayer changes the state in the future of our lives. It's the only thing. Watch this. In James chapter 5, verse 16, here's the first translation. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It availeth much. Here's another translation. That... The righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, you may say, well, that's great, but I'm not righteous, so go on to the next point. Watch this. You are righteous. If you have told Jesus that you love him, you are considered a righteous person. Let me tell you how this works. Uh, Presley, come on up here. I love my little daughter. This is my 11-year-old girl right here. Give her a big round of applause. Love my girl. 
when she was born, we named her Presley Kate Mazapika. She is a Mazapika. Now, uh, when she couldn't walk, she was still a Mazapika. When she learned how to walk, she wasn't any more or any less a Mazapika. She was still a Mazapika. When she couldn't talk, and then she learned to talk, and my gosh, as she learned to talk. <laughs> she wasn't any more or any less a Mazapika. She was born into our family. She is a Mazapika. Whether she's unemployed or employed, whether she grows to be six foot two or five foot two, it doesn't matter. She is a Mazapika. And I love you for that. You can go ahead and sit down. Watch this. When you give yourself to the Lord, you are a righteous person. You, you are not righteous because of what you have done. You are righteous because of what he has done. You will always be righteous. So when you pray, your prayers availeth much. Watch this. Here's another version. It reads like this in the New Living Translation. A righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Here's a, th a fourth translation. That a righteous person has great power as it is working. Your, when you pray, things happen. When you put your faith out there, things happen. And this is the only thing that changes anything. Watch this. Uh, let me uh, see if I can uh, share with you. Have we got any Texan fans in here? I'm a, I'm a Houston Texans fan, okay? Um, now, this hat, I bought it like a year and a half ago. And those of you that are hardcore fans, you're going to be upset with me about this. But when they win, I wear it. When we have bad seasons, I don't wear it. It's really that simple. When, when we got the number one draft choice... I was wearing it for weeks leading up to the draft. When they pick somebody I don't like, I don't believe these guys. There's times during when they're winning, I've got, I'm, I'm going, I'm a crazy fan. <laughs> Nuts. Got my ears out and everything. <laughs> I'm a fan. Love the Texas. I'm a fan. When they do good, I'm in. When they do good, I'm loud. When they don't do good, I'm a fan. See, uh, it, there's a difference between a fan and a follower. A massive difference. There's a lot of people who are fans of Jesus Christ. They're fans. When we talk about scriptures they like, they go, yeah, amen. And then when you talk about scriptures they don't like, it's like. When you talk about a certain lifestyle that they agree with, it's like, yeah, yeah. Are you listening to this girl? You need to be listening. He's talking to you right now. <laughs> and then all of a sudden when he's talking to them, it's like. Gosh, he preaches long. That's <laughs> a fan. A follower says, I am, what is it that you like? Because what, my whole life is now following you. Do you want me to raise my hand? Do you want to put it? What, what do you want? What do you want? You are my God. You are my father. I am so hungry 
and thirsty for your presence. If it's the only thing I have in my life, then so be it. I, that is a follower. If you're taking notes, write this down in your notes. A follower is fully committed, whereas the point before that is a fan selects when they want to give their support. Here's a thought. Fans don't mind Jesus making minor changes in their life, but in reality, he wants to do major renovations. Here's another thought for you to consider. Fans don't mind him doing a little touch-up work, but Jesus wants to turn the life upside down. Um, The only way that our hunger level can be gratified or met is to pursue them. I I don't know how long you've been going to church, but oftentimes you can go to church for years, love God, but years go by and you don't ever feel any closer to Him. So you do what you got to do to make sure that you go to heaven But you try not to set your expectations too high for how close you can be with him here on earth because you don't want to be disappointed. You've been disappointed enough in life. So why try to set yourself up for disappointment again? You see, when you've been hurt before, when, when it's, let me give you a couple examples. If somebody has ever said to you, I will be committed to you through sickness and through health. I will be committed to you. I'm going to take care of you through the good times and the bad times. And then all of a sudden, you turn around and they're not there. It's moments like that where you think to yourself, Ouch. When I get better, and sometimes it takes years to get better, I'm never going to let anybody hurt me like that again. Ever. I will always hold a piece of my heart back because I'm not going to let that happen ever again. And it's a very sad thing when we get hurt at 12 or 13 years old by somebody we love. And then we live the rest of our life holding just a little bit back. I'll marry you, but I'm going to hold a little bit back. And with our relationship with God and with church, sometimes you say, I love you, I believe you exist, and I want to go to heaven. But I'm not going to set my expectations up too high because I don't want you to disappoint me. And so we hold back. Why am I able to put words to this? Because I have thought this. I've walked down this valley. I have prayed the prayer. God, I don't want to pray every day and have an expectation of being close to you. And then that never happens. How am I going to live with that? I just want to tell you that the desire that's in your heart to be close to him He put in there. He put that desire 
in there to draw you to him, and he will not disappoint you. See, what you're doing is you are smelling in the air a possibility of being close to the Lord. It's kind of like if you come to my house and you're talking in the living room with my wife. I go in the kitchen and open up the freezer and pull out break-and-bake chocolate chip cookies. I put them on a cooking pan. I put them in the oven and turn it up to 325 and let it just cook. While you're sitting in the living room, you're talking to my wife, and all of a sudden, and you know what it is. How many of you know a, a chocolate chip cookie when you smell it? You smell it. Who's responsible for that smell? Me. I'm the one that created the smell. I'm the one who has the cookies. I made the smell. You are smelling what I made happen. When you have a desire to be close to the Lord, you are experiencing a desire that He made happen. You're desiring, the way you're desiring cookies in the oven, you smell what I made happen. You're smelling what I got. When you have a desire and you're hungering for Him, He made that happen. It exists. It just requires praying. And so together, we're going to do something that we might not be able to do for 365 days in a row. But we can do it for 21. We're going to do a 21-day prayer campaign together. Why? Because I'm hungry too. I want the presence of God more alive in my life as well. Watch how this is going to work. We're going to uh, have a, a prayer wheel. I don't know if you've ever had a prayer wheel before or used a prayer wheel. It's just, it's, it's just basically something that you use as a guide. And for 21 days, not, not starting tomorrow, but a week for tomorrow, we're going to just devote praying every day. Now, some of you, you might pray a minute that day. You might pray an hour that day. This is what we got to remember, and I've got to fill in somewhere on here. It's not the weight. It's the weight, not the length of our prayers that matters most. It's, it's the weight. In other words, you can say, I love you, 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 for five hours. Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Or you can say, I love you you so much. Which one weighs more? It's not the length. It's the weight. Everyone say it's the weight. So we're going to go through this, and I'm just going to go through it real quickly. Are you ready? We're going to start off with praise. Praise is the great exchange. Every time you pray, you exchange your burden. You exchange your depression. You exchange a heavy heart. For a light burden. It happens every time. That's why when you come into worship, you can be driving here and yelling at somebody, Shut up! Hello! Welcome to Celebration Church. I'm going to break your face. All right, let's love the Lord now. Come on. You can come in here. <laughs> I'm Italian, sorry. But 
You can come in here and worship him, and then all of a sudden, it's an exchange. All your frustration gets substituted. So you start off with praise, and then you begin to repent. Now it's color-coded, so all the gold represents your focuses on God. And then the orange is when the focus is on you. You just begin to repent for anything that comes to mind. Then you pray for personal growth. You pray for your friends and family. It's a time where you have a time of petitions where you begin to ask God for things. Now, this is important for you to know. Um, There are certain things that he wants you to ask him for. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Do you know there was people in the Bible who prayed about the weather? If you live in Houston and you don't pray about the weather, get with the program. Here we go. And then we go into the third. This, the, the green portion of the wheel is when your focus is on Celebration Church. Where you pray for the unsaved people. People that if the Lord came back today, they're not going to go to heaven. You begin to pray for them. And then there's the unchurched. They're saved. If Jesus came today, they'd go to heaven, but they just don't go to church. And the Lord wants them in church. The Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. So we pray for them. And then we pray that our church will be strong. Um, praying for people is, is, is critical. I heard this story years ago, and I never, ever forgot it, that these two men showed up to heaven. They were about to go into heaven. And, and, and the apostle Peter said, uh, you're about to come into heaven. You're in. But before you come to heaven, I need all, both of you guys to run through that tunnel. Now, when you run through that tunnel, there is, it's like a valley. There's going to be tigers. There's going to be a lion. There's going to be quicksand. Just run through. It's going to be scary, but just do it. And so they start running through the tunnel. And he goes, but hey, and they turn around. Before you come out of that tunnel, make sure you pick up some diamonds. And so they start running. And one guy did not give a rip about the diamonds. He just wanted out. Just get me out of here. And just started running. The other guy, he was scared too. But he's like, I got to get diamonds. So he grabs some diamonds, stuck them in his pocket, and just kept on running. They came out the other end. They're like, oh, oh, Jesus, I was so scared. Peter, can I come in? And he goes, yeah, both of you guys are in. He goes, hey, did you, did you grab any diamonds? And the guy said, no, I didn't grab any diamonds. And he looked at the other guy. Did you pick up diamonds along the way? And he goes, yeah, actually, I did. I'm I got two handfuls. He goes, good, because this is what we're going to be using for your crown. And you know what's so interesting is the Bible says this. It says that when he comes back, he will get his people, and the Bible calls them his jewels. You and I have got, on our journey to heaven, we have got to grab the unsaved and the unchurched to come with us. We have to. Let me continue real quickly. Then the red part is about the world, the will of God in our nation. In the praise, we begin to praise him. I'd like our worship team to come up because um, I'd like to close this message with a thought on praise. Um, The U.S. Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point is located in Havelock, North Carolina. Now, if you decide to go there and you've never been there before... uh, it, you may be startled. There's, there's a lot of people that when they drive into Havelock, North Carolina, they get startled because there's these jet planes that fly over their head. 
And it freaks people out because all day, every day, these jet planes are like, just flying. But what's so interesting is that the locals don't mind it at all. In fact, they've grown to love it. The visitors, when they show up, they're jarred. They're, they're, they're freaked out. Have you ever been underneath a, jet, a, a fighter jet plane? They're loud. Can you imagine just constantly one after another? That's where they train and practice and test our jets that defend our great country. But they warn all the guests when they drive into the city. And I love the way they warn them. There's actually a sign uh, just before the city. It says this, pardon our noise. It's the sound of freedom. Isn't that cool? You know when you praise God, when you open your mouth, it's almost like you can just say, hey, pardon me. He saved me from a lot. He has saved me. When you're in your house, I love it when my family's not at home because I'm about to pray loud, loud, loud. I sing louder than these people. It doesn't sound as good, but it's loud. Have you ever been caught singing out loud? It's awkward. Especially when you're at a red light and you're letting it go and you look... uh, When you end the prayer wheel in praise, it's like, hey, this is the sound of freedom. If you want to participate in this 21 days of prayer, it's 21 days straight. If you miss one, just pick up where you left off. Some days you'll pray one minute. Some days you'll pray an hour. You just pray with weight. If you want to participate, I want you to go to our website when you get home. I want you to click on the 21-day prayer, and I want you to just sign up for the days that you plan on praying. Some of you may say, I don't think I can do 21. Just sign up for three or four. But I want to challenge you to to aim for 21. Let's, Let's not live with a frustrating hunger anymore. And you say, why do I got to sign up? You don't have to. There was people last year that didn't sign up. We had hundreds sign up, but you don't have to. Why do you sign up? Two reasons why. I read this study. It was done by a psychologist. When people write their name on something, I think the percentage was 70% more likely to follow through with their commitment when they put their name on it. Number two, for the rest of us, when we see this long list of names, we think to ourselves, wow, I'm not doing this by myself. I'm doing this with other people, and I'm sure it's hard for them to be consistent too. We're going to be consistent together. Let me say this. The Lord loves you so much, and He knows that this is a tough world to live in. The Bible says that so long as you're in this world, you will have trouble. But He has conquered the world. He that is in you has conquered the world. You have come to the right place.